We're going to be uh, this morning heading, we'll be starting in Isaiah, Isaiah 43, and then we'll be also heading not long after that to Matthew chapter 9, so giving you a bit of advance notice so you can keep your finger or your bookmark in the two different places. Need a bit of WD-40, I think, over there. Before we uh, begin this morning, I'm just going to pray. Father, it's good to be in your house today. Thank you for this privilege and this opportunity to open up your word. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us this morning, that you would illuminate the things that you desire to reveal to us, to deposit in our hearts today, Lord. Help me as I proclaim your word to do so clearly, and may what is on your heart today be the things that we hear, the things that I share, and uh, Lord, give us ears to hear and a heart that's open to hear what you would say to us, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, Before we uh, just begin, I just want to uh, make mention, as, as many of you know, and if you don't, you do now. We've been recording just over the last uh, few weeks. We've had a few Sundays and a Wednesday night, worship night. Um, and I just want to say thank you to all involved, to the team. Uh, we've been practicing and preparing for a number of months now uh, for this last few weeks. And it's just been uh, wonderful to grow in relationship with them and to put the work into the songs. And uh, so I just want to honor and thank the team this morning have been involved. So yeah, would you thank them? Uh, and I also just want to thank you as the church family. Thanks for being gracious with us over the last few weeks as we've had a, tried a few different things, new songs. We've had some mics set up and things like that. But most of all, you know, thank you for um, giving your voice to these songs, for giving them life, I guess. Um, you know, many of these songs, well, these songs were written really in a response to what we feel like God is, is saying and doing here in our midst. And so, yeah, I just want to um, thank you for the way that you've kind of embraced them and sung them. It's been great listening back over the last couple of weeks to some of the raw recordings from the different uh, worship times we've had. And just I just love hearing the sound of uh, people worship. So thank you for bringing your voices and singing nice and strong. And uh, we'll keep you up to date with... Um, you know, how things are progressing with that in terms of when uh, the CD and the recording will be released. So hopefully in the next few months or so. So thank you. So Isaiah 43 is where we're going to be starting this morning. 43 verse 18. And it says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Everybody say, a new thing. A new thing. Now it springs forth, do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I believe that the Lord desires to be doing a new thing in our lives. He desires to be bringing us into more of what He has for us. He desires that we would move forward. We go from strength to strength, glory to glory in Him. But sometimes the hindrance to that can be the former things, or the things of old, old mindsets, old patterns of behavior, past experience or dis experiences or disappointments, perhaps. 
even a religious mindset. And, you know, we can see this throughout Scripture, that the Lord loves to bring people and a nation even into a new thing. Yet it is the former things or the things of old that he has to deal with in order for that to happen. Abraham, to give an example, the Lord calls him out of his land and into, to go to a, a new place, a new land. And, of course, uh, that was away from his family, what may have been comfortable for him. It was a journey of faith. Well, the, the nation of Israel, the Lord, you know, there's this picture throughout, um, you know, much of the, the early part of the Old Testament of the Lord wanting to bring them into the promised land, into a new thing, yet, and, and out of the land of slavery. Yet there was plenty of stuff that God had to deal with there, the former things, the things of old, the old mindsets, the kind of... Um, Slavery mentality, being stuck in bondage there. To use a New Testament example, Saul, who became Paul, out of this place of persecuting the church and, you know, bringing all sorts of threats and murder and opposition to what God was doing, the Lord called him out into a new call, saved him, set him free, and a call to um, bring the gospel to the Gentiles. There was, there was that sense of coming out of the old and former things into the new thing. Remember not the former things. Don't be stuck on the things of old. I'm doing a new thing. So let me ask you this morning, who likes new things? Okay, a number of us. Let me ask you this, who likes change? A few, a few less of us this morning. And, you know, sometimes it's easier, it's more comfortable, it's less of a hassle perhaps for things to just stay the same. We kind of get stuck in the the rut in the status quo of just our comfort zone. And we don't want to mess with that. We don't want to get too uncomfortable, do we? And even when we move into new things, when we finally get ourselves out of that place and into the new thing, the old things, the old habits, the old mindsets, the old ways of doing things can sometimes take a little while to uh, become new as well. Recently, my wife and I, we uh, got a new car. Uh, we ended up trading in our old one and uh, got a new pretty much the same car, Toyota Camry, reliable, um, you know, economical, all those kind of things, nothing too flashy, but boring, no, I disagree, disagree with that, <laughs> but our previous car had a few extra features that this current one doesn't, so our previous car had a, a push-button start ignition, you know, so you don't need the key, you can just get in and push the button and away you go. And it also had the keyless entry, you know, when you can just, uh, you have the keys in the vicinity in your pocket or in the bag and you just go up and you can open the handle and it unlocks for you. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yep. Okay, good. Just wanted to make sure. Well, this new car that we have doesn't. We need the key to unlock the car and to turn the ignition. And so even though the new car is a real blessing, we love the new car, um, it's, it's wonderful, there are still some old habits that we have just because we've had the old car for many years prior to that. And so often I find myself going to unlock the car with my keys in my pocket, thinking, oh, it'll just unlock. Oh, I've got to get my keys out. And for Steph, it's a bit of a hassle with, you know, she's got the keys in her bag. She's got the two boys trying to get everything in the car. And she thinks she can just open it. And then she's got to rummage around in the bag to find the keys, to unlock the car, to get in. It's a bit of a hassle, you know. And then, you know, you get in the car to start it, and you go to press the button. Ah, so you've got to get your keys out. So the, the point is that 
you know, there are still old habits. Even though it's a new thing, a new car, there's still old ways of doing things that take, are taking a little while to break. And so this morning, I want to look at in more depth about this whole idea of old thing to new thing and what the Lord's wanting to do. So turn with me over to Matthew chapter 9 at this point. We're going to be in uh, verse 14 this morning, or starting there anyway. And it says, Then the disciples of John came to him, to Jesus, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, or fast often, or fast much? But your disciples do not fast. And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and he took her by the hand and the girl arose. And the report of this went throughout all that district. And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly warned them, see that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame through all that district. As they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. And the crowds marveled, saying, never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, he casts out demons by the prince of demons. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I can't help but read this passage and feel stirred in my heart. The dead are raised, the sick are healed, the demon oppressed are delivered, incredible stuff. But the first part of this passage that we've read this morning has always intrigued me. So Jesus goes from talking about fasting to talking about um, mending an old garment to talking about new wine. So let me be honest this morning that none of these things have really been my thing. Let me explain. Fasting. Well, I'll put it to you guys. How many of you, you just love fasting? You can't get enough of it. One of us. Okay. You're the outlier here this morning. Look, I'm all in when it's of the Lord, when I feel him leading me into that. I'm all in. I want to do it. But, you know, of my own accord, it's not, you know, I'd rather eat food, you know what I'm saying? Textiles have never really been my thing either. 
In fact, my most famous uh, or infamous, I guess, textiles moment was in year seven in textiles, you know, trying to sew something. And uh, this one particular day, I'd forgotten to put the, I think it's the overlock, whatever it is that goes around the needle to help it sew. And I was just sewing away and nothing was happening. And yet what I found out afterwards was that the whole inside underneath the sewing machine had just been sewed up basically full of full of thread and the teacher uh, needless to say was not too happy with me and had to spend you know quite a lot of time trying to unpick all the mess that I'd made so I wasn't sad when textiles became an elective not a core class I didn't choose that one and the other thing wine I've never been a massive fan I've not acquired the taste of it so it's got to be very sweet if it's going to be something uh Hopefully a very sweet wine at the wedding feast of the lamb. That's what it's going to need to be. The Lord knows. So because of that, I've had to do a bit of research this week about what Jesus is talking about here. And because the message that Jesus brought was new and alive and radical and so different to the dead religion of the day, he knew that people would have a hard time grasping and receiving it. Have you ever had a hard time grasping and receiving something that either the Lord's been speaking to you or the Lord's been doing. The people of the day, particularly those caught in religion, were passionately attached to things as they were. Change was like, no, 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 resisting change at all costs. So Jesus starts with fasting. And what he was doing here was addressing the religious mindset that wants to have everything controlled or in a box. If I do this and this and this, I'll be okay. I can receive approval if I fast, if I tithe, if I go to church regularly, if I uh, you know, read my Bible X amount per week, then you know, it's going to be okay. It's a religious mindset, a mindset that is stuck in a rut of rules and rituals that can often hinder us or rob us from coming into what God has for us or what he wants to do. And so he then goes on to present two pictures that any Jewish person of the day would understand clearly to show that what he had come to do was new and far beyond anything that could ever be limited or confined to the old way. So Jesus came. He came not just to bring a patched up form of religion, not just a revised and updated version. Um, I remember at uni, one of the frustrations was every year it was like they had this revised and updated textbook that cost you know, an arm and a leg to have to go and buy. And there really wasn't that much difference about it. It was a new cover, maybe some tweaks here and there within the pages. In our lives, Jesus is in the business of total transformation, not just a quick fix, not just, um, you know, a patch-up job, not just a revised and updated version, but a new creation. And so these two pictures, he's saying here about uh, mending a worn garment. The wrong patch to use is one of unshrunk cloth. Because this type of cloth was considerably stronger than the cloth that was used to make uh, clothing, because that had been treated. And a patch of this kind would be most unsuitable for use on an old garment. Because whenever there was a strain, just through the wear and tear of the garment, the patch itself wouldn't tear, but the actual garment itself would. And the patch would take some of the garment with it. And so you end up you know, worse than where you were before. Jesus came not trying to patch up a worn-out religious system. He came to bring something new. He came to bring a message of power. He came to bring a message that was alive, a message that brought hope and freedom. And this message still has power. 
It still has life. It still has hope and freedom today. Praise God. He goes on to talk about new wine, to use this analogy. And so new wine, apparently, when it's settling, it's still, it's still fermenting. There's still gases and things being released as it settles. And so the old wineskin refers to one that's close to being worn out. Such old wineskins lose their elasticity. They become rigid. And if you store new wine in those kind of containers, they uh, burst. The process of fermentation puts more pressure on the skins than they can sustain. And so you end up losing the wineskin. You lose the new wine as well. And so Jesus is saying, yeah, I'm, I'm bringing a new thing, a new message, a new way. And of course, he's not rejecting the Old Testament. Matthew 5, 17, it says, you know, I haven't come to abolish the law and the prophets. No, instead I've come to fulfill them. But he was saying his new life and the message of the kingdom could not be confined or fitted into old forms. And so to bring this application to us today, often I... I believe, I think, um, I feel, perhaps it's just human nature that we like this. There can be our stubbornness or our propensity to resist change or resist the work of God in our lives or actually welcome that. Perhaps we choose a form of religious observance over the fullness of the kingdom. And these things can be a hindrance either to what the Lord's wanting to do or to stepping into more of what he has for us. And Jesus is saying that life in the kingdom requires a paradigm shift, a change to our mindset, our thinking, and our expectation. There are times and seasons for us, and I believe that we're in one of those right now, where the Lord is wanting to move, or He's wanting to deal with things in our hearts and in our lives, as Andrew has uh, you know, really been doing a great job of uh, preaching on that the last little while. That He's wanting to do a new thing. And for us, it's necessary to put aside the old wineskins of perhaps excuses, the old wineskins of limiting God or putting Him in a box, the old wineskins of living in the past, of holding on to lies or religious mindsets where they can hinder and constrain and block the new wine of what God is doing. And if we think about it, it's the mercy of God to, to deal with the wineskin. He's not just concerned about the wine. He's concerned about the vessel that will hold and contain it. Because if he could pour out his new wine without a prepared wineskin, the wineskin, as we, as we see, it would burst from not being able to contain it. And so there's been a bit of a thread through the p- preaching this year about us as God's people intentionally dealing with our stuff. I don't have a bin with me this week. I didn't bring the hopper in like Andrew wanted to do last week for me. Dealing with our stuff to ensure that we are a people ready and prepared for what the Lord is wanting to do, prepared with new wineskins. The new wineskins, sorry, the new wine is his responsibility. The new wineskin is ours. So this morning, I want to just kind of look at how do we cultivate a new wineskin? I want to bring a few things out about new wineskins hopefully uh, apply them to our lives. New wineskins, first of all, they're not old, they're new. Kind of obvious. So for us, first point, there is a need to be renewed. 
So an old wineskin, I guess you could say, could be marked by a, re- a religious mindset that limits God, whereas a new wineskin could be marked by a kingdom mindset that welcomes God, that has faith in God. And I love what it says in Romans 12 verse 2, where the Apostle Paul exhorts us to, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's pretty powerful stuff if we think about it. That transformation comes when we renew our minds. A renewed way of thinking leads to transformation. And so often it can be our patterns of thinking, our experiences, perhaps even our disappointments or hurts, cynicism, unbelief, things like that, that can hinder us from coming into more of what God has for us, being just stuck in the same old, same old. But somehow we like to be there, that it's easy, it's more comfortable, it's a bit less of a hassle to actually have to deal with some of those things and step into the new thing that God is wanting to do. And I think perhaps that's why Jesus often liked to ask the obvious questions. You know, he comes to someone that's blind and says, what do you want me to do for you? Kind of obvious here, Lord. I want to see. But he says that to draw that response of faith out. He wanted to see, I believe, at times and test whether that person was willing to come out of that place of, you know, past experiences and all those things that had been before and into the new thing that God was doing, into the healing, into the encounter with Jesus. You might remember the story Uh, It's in Mark 9, I think it's in Matthew 17 as well, of the father who brings his son who's oppressed by um, demons. And he he comes looking for Jesus and he's not there. So he goes to the disciples because they are. And they couldn't drive it out. And Jesus comes to find a bit of a commotion and he he asks what's going on and that the father just explains the situation how from a a little boy my son has been oppressed and it's just been horrible you can imagine the picture and he says the disciples I, I came to your disciples but they couldn't drive it out and Jesus responds almost in this exasperated way you know faithless generation how long do I have to put up with you or be with you and the the father says to Jesus look they couldn't do anything, but you know, if you can, could you maybe do something? Can you help me? And Jesus, if you can, if you can, do you know who you're talking to here? You can almost see the indignation in his voice. And the man cries out, I do believe, help my unbelief. And I can just imagine in this picture, he came looking for Jesus. He got the disciples, but still expected them to cast it out to bring freedom, to see freedom come to his son. And it didn't. And I can just imagine that it brought up perhaps all the past disappointments, all the past experiences, all the past feelings of it's never going to change. And I believe it's reflected in his response to Jesus. If, if you can, if you can, help me. And Jesus says, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. I believe. Help my unbelief. And it's like he's crying out, Lord, I don't want my past experiences, my past disappointments or mindsets to frame what I know that you're capable of doing. I do believe in any part of me that doesn't, Lord, please help me. Please help me. We would do well to have that as our cry this morning. Lord, renew my mind so that the impossible, what seems impossible, becomes possible. Lord, renew 
my mind so that your truth, Lord, speaks louder than any lies that I've believed and dispels them, dispels any unbelief that may be present. Renew my mind, Lord, so that when you are doing a new thing, it isn't hindered by the former things. It isn't hindered by the things of old, of disappointment, of unbelief or hurts, whatever it might be. To bring it back to this passage in Matthew 9, for the woman who's been afflicted for 12 years with this, this discharge of blood. And in uh, Mark's account, I believe, it says you know, she'd spent all that she had on doctors, all to no avail. She tried everything and she still was afflicted with this, with this issue. The old mentality, the old wineskin looks something like this. According to the confines of the law, she shouldn't have been in public. The law was very clear that uh, if there was any sort of discharge, particularly blood, that you were unclean and you needed to not be where other people were. She would have known that full well. Twelve years she's been struggling with this. And she could have stayed in that place of, yeah, I, I really shouldn't be. Yeah, I, I'll just, I'll just continue in what's always been, what's been my experience for the last 12 years. But instead, the new wineskin mentality is, you know, I know what's expected or required. I know what my past experiences have been. I know that I've, you know, tried everything, but I'm going to push through that to have my encounter with Jesus. I love this quote. I believe it's Bill Johnson who says it. He says that often the miracle lies just the other side of convenience. It takes a new mindset to push beyond what we've known, beyond what we've seen or what we've experienced before and into more of what God has for us. So let me ask you this morning, are there areas of your life, are there areas of your thinking, of your attitudes that need to be made new this morning so that you can receive the new things that God has for you, step into them and the new things that he has for us as a people? Lord, let faith arise this morning, I pray. So there's a need for us to be renewed. The second thing about new wineskins is that they're not rigid or worn out. They're able to move with the new wine. They don't spoil it. So for us, there is a need to be flexible and receptive. That's point number two. On the home stretch, only a two-point sermon. Old wineskins become, as we've looked at, inflexible and rigid as they, as they get old. New wineskins need to be flexible to cope with the expanding nature of the new wine as it settles, as it ferments, as the gases are let off. And so for us, I believe that we need to be in step with what God is doing, with what he's saying, with what he's leading us in now, today. And in this season, it seems clear to me that the Lord is wanting his people to be ready, to be ready. And so... To me, that means not living off yesterday's bread, to use that analogy, yesterday's revelation, what God was doing back in the 90s or in the 80s or beyond that, but what, what he's doing today, what he wants to do today. And so I believe we must be flexible, in step with, ready to respond to, ready to and able to perceive both what he's doing and saying and then willing to step and move into that. You know, in the book of Acts, we see so many accounts of the Holy Spirit doing a new thing. You know, it was totally, they didn't have a grid for that. 
some of the stuff he was doing. They didn't, they didn't know what it was all about, perhaps, initially. There was no paradigm for it. It was outside the box. It was outside, perhaps, their theological comfort zone or past experience. Yet, they were flexible. They knew they were ready to receive that new wine. And so when talking about flexibility, let me just say this, that the Word of God is our standard. As it was for the early church, when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, um, it wasn't like, you know, Peter got up and he, and he said, yes, this is what the prophet Joel prophesied, you know, he prophesied about this. There was that kind of link to the Word of God. That needs to be our standard because a wineskin is flexible, but it still has a, a limit and a boundary. So we're to test things and use our discernment, not just allow or accept anything and say it's of God. What I'm trying to say, is, I guess, is yes, that, but also that we shouldn't be so closed off to the work of God either because it might look different to what we expect. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't think that God likes being put in a box. Those who came to Jesus here in Matthew 9, as we've read this morning, were concerned with the religious practices. Why, why don't you and your disciples fast very much? And it's interesting as we look through the Gospels, how the Pharisees, the other religious leaders of the day, they were more concerned with what Jesus wasn't doing than with what he was doing. They'd often come and say, why aren't you fasting? Why aren't you not keeping the Sabbath? You're not washing your hands properly before you eat. All these things, rules, rituals, regulations that he wasn't doing. But then I think this morning, as we've looked at this passage, it's interesting how it goes on to the stories of him raising the dead, of him healing the sick, of him delivering the oppressed, of him proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And so what I feel like Jesus is saying and he's demonstrating here is that, you know what, yeah, I may not, being, do, may not be doing all the things that you ex- expect or what you are looking for, but you know what, this is the stuff that really matters. This is the stuff that sets people free. This is what reveals the Father and sees heaven come to earth. That's the sort of new wine that we need. Not a whole lot of rituals or rules or practices or restricting mindsets, things like that. We need the Lord to show up, to set captives free to heal the sick, raise the dead, give sight to the blind, the good news of the gospel being proclaimed. That's the kind of new wine that I want to see. And I pray that we would see as a church. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, spent their whole lives looking for the Messiah. The whole lives, studying when he might come, all that sort of thing. When he came, they missed him because he didn't quite fit their mold. He didn't look like what they thought he would look like. He didn't do the things that they expected him to do. They weren't flexible and in step with the now. They weren't ready to receive the new wine because they hadn't got rid of, they'd held on to their old wineskins. And so there's this problem that we have at times, and Andrew's preached on this before, so I'll just touch on it this morning. This problem with expectation over expectancy. An old wineskin is marked by, or mentality, sorry, is marked by expectation. We have a view, we have a thought, we have an idea of how we think God should or shouldn't work or operate or do things. Whereas the new wineskin mentality is marked by expectancy, the sense of flexibility and being receptive to what God is doing. 
expecting him to move, waiting for him to move, to do something, knowing that he's going to, just not quite sure how it will look. That's what expectancy is. So this morning, are you flexible and open? Are you ready to respond to the work of the Lord? His desire to move in our lives, both personally and corporately. So to kind of bring this all together, there's that sense of being flexible but also receptive. A new wineskin's made to receive new wine. Nothing else would do because that's not its purpose. It's not what it's been made for. And so for us, I believe in this season, there's an invitation for us to have this mindset that nothing else but Jesus will do. It's Him we're after. It's Him we're pursuing at the expense of what we may be comfortable with or, ex- or what we're familiar with, what's been done, or what we've seen before. And as part of that, there's this, I guess, people are marked by a desperation for God. We see that in the passage today. The ruler comes, having tried everything, For his daughter, he kneels before Jesus. Can you come? Lay your hand on her and she will live. The woman with the issue of blood, if only I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well. The father of the boy oppressed by a demon, I do believe, help my unbelief. An acknowledgement that we need God to come and take away any areas of unbelief that hinder faith. So this morning, are you receptive to him? Are you receptive and welcoming of his presence, of his work in your life? I believe that this is a time to put off the limitations that we've put on God. I looked at last time I had the opportunity to preach. He is able, you know, out of Ephesians 3. He is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or imagine. That's the place I want to be living from. That's the mindset I want to be having as my own. Not some limited view of God that, well, I don't know that he can do this because he's God. He can. So my prayer is that our lives would be marked by a kingdom mindset that welcomes him, that welcomes his work, not resists or limits it. That our lives would be marked by being flexible and in step with the Lord, That our lives would be marked by expectancy rather than just our expectations. And that our lives would be marked by desperation for God. I believe it's time for new wineskins so that he can pour out the new wine of what he is wanting to do. Would you stand just as we come to the end of our service this morning? Thank you, Lord, that we've been able to gather as your people this morning. Thank you for your presence amongst us. Thank you, Lord, that you are desiring to do a new thing. You're desiring to take it, continue to move us forward in you from strength to strength, from glory to glory, Lord. And uh, Lord, I just want to pray this morning that we would not resist or hinder, Lord, through our attitudes, through our mindsets, through our past hurts, experiences, through unbelief, whatever it might be, the things that you are wanting to do, the things that you're wanting to say to us, the things that you're wanting to lead us into, Lord, both personally and corporately, Lord God. Would you come and do a new thing? 
Break off limitations this morning, I pray. Lord, I, I pray that we would be a people who have a kingdom mindset, Lord. That we would be a people who welcome you, Lord God. That we would be in step with you. That we would be expectant, Lord God. And that we would be a people desperate for you, Lord. I just bless each person here this morning. With your love, Father. With your grace, Lord Jesus. And with the peace and presence of the Holy Spirit. And in this, into this week, Lord, would you just be speaking to our hearts. Drawing us near. Leading us into more of what you have for us, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.